I thought, boy, if he really believes this stuff, he has, you know, he, he's become detached from reality. On the other hand, you know, when I went into this and would tell him how crazy some of these allegations were, there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were. I haven't seen anything since the election that changes my mind on that, including the 2000 Mules movie. <laughs> <laughs> Even... Bill Barr is laughing at the 2000 Mules movie, as well he should. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains, KKRN, Eureka's, KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR and Minneapolis St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all your favorite podcast sites except for Spotify. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, This is going to be a crazy busy week in these United States and on these broadcasts, where we will be continuing our coverage of the hearings each day in the U.S. House, uh, at least each day that they hold them, detailing Trump's attempt to steal the 2020 election. Today we will be joined momentarily by our guest and uh, House January 6th correspondent uh, Heather Digby-Parton. And then I want to get to as many of your calls as possible today while we have the chance. Our phone number is 818-985-5735. On the hearings by the bipartisan U.S. House Select Committee investigating the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol and everything that goes with it. We will get to uh, Monday morning's testimony shortly. There are also critical midterm primary elections happening this week in Maine, Nevada, North Dakota and South Carolina. If I had to predict a place there will be problems, my prediction would be South Carolina. But then again, I don't do predictions. Isn't that right, Desi Doyle? (laughs) Well, except when there's problems. You knew I would say that. You had (laughs) predicted it. 
Uh, anyway, um, we will also figure out how to cover that somehow as the week goes on and a whole lot more. But just very quickly, regarding elections this week, over the weekend, it was announced that former half-term governor of Alaska and failed vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin currently leads the 48-candidate field in a special primary election for the state's sole congressional seat in the U.S. House, according to a preliminary count of <clears throat> a preliminary account of ballots on Sunday, which were due in Alaska by mail on Saturday. The top four candidates in this special election race will advance to a special ranked choice election runoff in August to fill the remainder of uh, the, se- the U.S. House session uh, in the seat left vacant by the late Republican Don Young, who passed away in March after serving for nearly 50 years as the state's only member of the U.S. House. That special election in August will take place on the same day as the regular primary uh, election in Alaska to select four more candidates to go on to another ranked choice runoff to fill the seat uh, for the next full two year term beginning in 2023. This first election uh, is only to fill out the remainder of Don Young's term after uh, after August, after the runoff in August, Sarah Palin, as of this hour, has a bit with a bit more than 70 percent of the ballots tallied, has nearly 30 percent of the vote. Nick Begich, the Republican grandson of a Democratic Alaskan political dynasty, has about 19 percent. Al Gross, a surgeon, commercial fisherman who ran unsuccessfully unsuccessfully for the U.S. Senate two years ago and says he will caucus with Democrats if elected. He has a little bit more than 12 percent of the vote. And Mary Peltola, a Democratic former state state legislator who, if elected, would be the first Alaskan native to represent the 49th state in the U.S. House. She has about seven and a half percent of the vote to date. Those numbers, however, do not mean uh, a whole lot once ranked choice selections kick in in the runoff. So no chickens should yet be counted in that race. Oh, that's interesting. And our ranked choice voting does make the tallying very complicated. Yes, but it does. I am curious. There is a man who's legally named Santa Claus. I know. In I'm, getting, I'm getting. I'm okay. getting to it. I know. And okay. I know you're concerned whether you've been naughty or nice. You're concerned about this. I understand. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no chickens should be counted even for the top four who will go into the runoff just yet because we still have another 30 percent or so of the ballots to be tallied uh, to that end. Republican Tara Sweeney is currently in fifth place. She's also a native uh, a native Alaskan uh, who is just a couple thousand votes behind Peltola for the fourth runoff slot. And then, yes. Des, you'll be happy ish to know Bernie Sanders supporter and Democratic Socialist. Santa Claus. Yes, that's actually his name. And he's actually an elected councilman from North Pole, Alaska. Seriously. He's just behind the group in sixth place. Uh, So we'll see if there's enough votes out there for Santa to uh, rise again. But uh, for the record, uh, Santa is very nice. He's not naughty at all. 
We'll uh, keep our eyes on that as votes continue to be counted up north. And yes, all of this comes ahead of Tuesday's midterm primaries in Maine, Nevada, North Dakota and South Carolina. There were some other big stories over the weekend, but I'm going to leave those for another day. We'll have to play catch up as the week goes on, because on day two of the bipartisan U.S. House Select Committee's public hearings investigating the January 6th insurrection at the U.S. Capitol as the culmination of Donald Trump's many attempts to steal the 2020 presidential election, there was more stunning video and live testimony, which made clear that the president's closest campaign advisors, top government officials, and even his own family were dismantling his false claims of 2020 fraud as early as election night and then in the weeks and months that followed. Repeatedly, over and over again, they were dismantling those claims. But as his own attorney general, Bill Barr, was seen and heard during the hearings in the House on Monday explaining in his own videotaped testimony to the panel the defeated president was becoming, quote, detached from reality, clinging to outlandish theories in order to stay in power as the weeks went on following the election. Here's just one sample played during Monday morning's testimony that included both the false claims about fraud made by Trump's unhinged team of legal outsiders like Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, whose assertions were repeatedly investigated and found to be inaccurate. Uh, So a montage of them and Trump's actual official advisors like his own daughter and son-in-law, Ivanka and Jared Kushner, actual legal advisors like Eric Hirschman, Trump's top campaign general counsel. And yes, even Bill Barr himself responding to those claims, calling them B.S. They saw a big truck bringing in 100,000 ballots in garbage cans, in waste paper baskets, in cardboard boxes and in shopping baskets. And every single one of them was for Biden because they were being notified by Smartmatic in Frankfurt that Biden was way behind and they better come up with a lot more ballots and we can prove every single thing I just said. It can set and run an algorithm that probably ran all over the country to take a certain percentage of votes from President Trump and flip them to President Biden which we might never have uncovered had the votes for President Trump not been so overwhelming in so many of these states that it broke the algorithm. What they were proposing, I thought was nuts. And in the theory was also completely nuts, right? I mean, it was a combination of Italians and Germans. I mean, different things have been floating around as to who was involved. I remember Hugo Chavez in the Venezuelan, she has an affidavit from somebody who says the wrote a software in and something with the Philippines and that just all over the radar. Did you ever share, Mr. Kushner, your view of Mr. Giuliani? Did you ever share your perspective about him with the president? Um, I, I guess uh, yes. <laughs> Tell me what you said. Basically not the approach I would take if I was you. Okay, and and how did he react? How did President Trump react when you shared that view with him? Uh, we said, you know, I, 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 I have confidence in Rudy. I think I had conversations with probably all of our council who were signed up to assist on election day as they um, disengaged with the campaign. 
the general consensus was that the law firms were not comfortable making the arguments that Rudy Giuliani was making publicly. I seem to recall that I had a similar conversation with most all of them. I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bull**t. And, you know, I didn't want to be a part of it. And that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. Donald Trump's own campaign manager, Bill Stepien, testified that Trump was, quote, growing increasingly unhappy at the election results as election night wore on. His son-in-law, Jared, tried to steer Trump away from uh, an apparently inebriated Rudy Giuliani that night and his far-flung theories of voter fraud that advisors believed were simply not true. But it was to no avail. Then acting Deputy Attorney General Richard Donahue, who will be testifying later this week, recalls breaking down one claim after another from a truckload of ballots in Pennsylvania to a secret suitcase of ballots in Georgia and telling Trump, quote, much of the info you are getting is false. At one point during Monday's hearings, California Democratic uh, Congresswoman Zoe Lofgren played extended portions of Bill Barr's videotaped under oath testimony to the panel as he detailed how the DOJ tracked down each and every claim of fraud that they had received from Trump and others and found nothing there each and every time. And each and every time he would explain to Trump what really happened in the various claims being made about those secret suitcases of ballots being taken out from under a table in the counting room in Atlanta, which wasn't a secret suitcase at all, but a regular old ballot bin or of the votes being counted multiple times at the Fulton County, Georgia facility or of thousands of ballots being flown in into Pennsylvania from New York. Each time he would explain this to Trump, Trump would essentially say, OK, well, what about? And then we ask about another one of these unproven, unevidenced claims to the point that Barr began to believe Trump had begun to lose touch with reality. And now, a year and a half later, Bill Barr told the committee he has seen nothing to change his mind, and even that silly, already debunked 2,000 Mules documentary recently released and laughed at by Bill Barr. And I was somewhat demoralized because I thought, boy, if he really believes this stuff, he has, you know, lost contact with, uh, with uh, he's become detached from reality if he really believes this stuff. On the other hand, you know, when I went into this and would, you know, tell him how crazy some of these allegations were, there was never, there was never an indication of interest in what the actual facts were. In my opinion then and my opinion now is that uh, the election was not stolen by fraud. And uh, I haven't seen anything since the election that changes my mind on that, including the 2000 Mules movie. (laughs) Bill Barr went on himself to debunk that movie, noting that neither the Georgia Bureau of Investigations or the FBI or himself were impressed with it in any way. And he debunked it in a way that we already have debunked it ourselves on this show. Perhaps I can play some of his testimony on that later. There are still if there are still any 2000 mules dead enders listening out there today. 
as I do hope to get to your calls in a bit on all of this at 818-985-5735, 818-985-5735. If you want to write, write down the number, you'll have to hit uh, button number one as we are in the middle of Fun Drive here, which you would uh, donate to, thank you, by hitting button number two with that same number. But in general, Bill Barr said the... Cell phone data in that that movie was nonsense and that the filmmakers failed to show video of any of the so-called mules who reportedly delivered tens of thousands of fraudulent ballots to drop boxes illegally, but are never actually seen visiting any of the drop boxes more than one time, as the filmmakers claim happened, but just never bothered to show. Bill Barr was also asked about a claim. Uh, that there were more absentee votes in Philadelphia than the number of people who actually requested absentee ballots there. How about Pennsylvania and Bill McSwain? We were talking to the U.S. attorney in Philadelphia about an alleged discrepancy between the number of absentee ballots issued and the number of ballots cast. Right. So, I, I, you know, that was a, a, one of the big ones for a period of time. I think I think that was raised at Gettysburg by Giuliani or something like that. But it kept on being repeated, and I found it annoying because you know, it didn't seem that it was right. So I called, I called McSwain, and... Uh, he got back to me. He said, "No, the problem is that Mastriano threw out a threw out this number. And what he did was he mixed apples and oranges. He took the number of applications for the Republican primary and he compared it to the number of absentee votes cast in the general election. But once you actually go and look and compare apples to apples, there's no discrepancy at all." No discrepancy at all. Sticking with Philadelphia for a moment, at one point, committee member Zoe Lofgren, uh, who led the bulk of Monday's questioning of live witnesses, based, uh, raised the baseless claims about fraud in Philadelphia with the cities, with Philadelphia's Republican election commissioner, Al Schmidt, responding to questions. So President Trump made numerous claims regarding fraudulent voting practices in Philadelphia, including the claim that dead people were voting. In fact, Mr. Giuliani told Pennsylvania state legislators that 8,000 dead people voted in Pennsylvania. You investigated those claims of voter uh, fraud. Can you tell us what you found? Not only was there not evidence of 8,000 dead voters voting in Pennsylvania, there wasn't evidence of eight. We took seriously every case that was referred to us, no matter how fantastical, no matter how absurd, and took every one of those seriously, including these. Not 8,000 dead people, not even eight, according to the Republican uh, city commissioner there in Philadelphia. The witness who appeared before the House committee investigating the January 6th Capitol attack on Monday made clear that there was just no substantive evidence of election changing fraud. All the witnesses, as we have been explaining to you on this show over the past year and a half. Congresswoman Lofgren also detailed how Trump's big lie, quote, was also a big ripoff. She detailed how even after all of these claims had been debunked, with Trump losing about 60 times in court, his campaign raised $250 million anyway for his, quote, official election defense fund. Problem was, they had no 
official election defense fund set up at all. It was a scam. The money that was supposed to go to legal fees was pocketed instead. $250 million from Trump's duped donors. How do you feel about that now, Trump supporters? Trump not only knew that his claims about election fraud were false, but he also had a motive to continue lying about them anyway, raking in the dough. Among the witnesses who testified live on Monday, I already mentioned Republican City Commissioner in Philadelphia, Al Schmidt. Chris Steyerwalt also testified. He's the former Fox News political editor who made the election night call for the Republican channel that Trump had lost in Arizona. That infuriated Trump at the time. Steyerwalt stood proudly by Fox's call that Biden narrowly won Arizona, which he said was a unanimous decision among the Fox election results team and has stood up ever since. Yes, Donald Trump did lose Arizona. B.J. Pack also testified. He's Trump's own U.S. attorney in Georgia who investigated all the many claims about fraud in Atlanta, finding none of them to be true. He was forced, however, to resign thereafter. Trump's own campaign manager in 2020, Bill Stepien, was scheduled to testify, but his wife suddenly went into labor on Monday morning. His live testimony was quickly substituted by the committee with his previously offered videotaped testimony explaining how all the evidence in the world did not seem to convince Trump that, yes, he had lost to Joe Biden. And then there was Ben Ginsburg, the longtime, very well-respected top Republican election law attorney, not respected by me, but by others. He led George W. Bush's successful 2000 effort to prevent ballots from being counted in Florida in order to allow the U.S. Supreme Court to hand the election to George W. Bush. And uh, Ginsburg has been leading the GOP's legal efforts to claim severe photo ID restrictions are needed in order to prevent fraud at the polls. Even Ben Ginsburg called Trump's fraud claims nonsense. In his live testimony before the panel on Monday, Ginsburg was asked about the claims being made by many Trump dead enders, even now, that the more than 60 cases or so that he and his supporters lost in court was only because, well, all of those cases lost on technical grounds for lack of standing, for example, and that none of the courts, including a bunch of Trump appointed judges at the circuit, appellate and even Supreme Court level, none of them actually looked at the merits and evidence of fraud that Trumpers were including in their legal challenges. So are you aware of any instance in which a court found the Trump campaign's fraud claims to be credible? No, there was, there was never that instance uh, in all the cases that were brought. And I've looked at the more than 60 that include more than 180 counts. And no, the simple fact is that the Trump campaign did not make its case. The Select Committee has identified 62 post-election lawsuits filed by the Trump campaign and his allies between November 4th, 2020 and January 6th, 2021. Those cases resulted in 61 losses and only a single victory, which actually didn't affect the outcome for either candidate. Despite those 61 losses, President Trump and his allies claim that the courts refused to hear them out. And as a result, they never had their day in court. 
Mr. Ginsburg, what do you say about the claims that Mr. Trump wasn't given an opportunity to provide the evidence they had of voter fraud? Did they ha in fact, did they have their day in court? They did have their day in court. About half of those cases that you mentioned were dismissed at the procedural stage uh, for a lack of standing, the proper people didn't bring the case, or there wasn't sufficient evidence and it got uh, dismissed on a motion to dismiss. But in the other, there was discussion of the merits that was, that was contained in the complaints. And in no instance did a court find that the charges of fraud were real. And it's also worth noting that even if the Trump campaign complained that it did not have its day in court, there have been post-election reviews in each of the six battleground states that could have made a difference. And those ranged from the somewhat farcical cyber ninjas case in Arizona to the Michigan Senate report that was mentioned earlier, the hand recount in Georgia uh, that Mr. Pack addressed. And in each one of those instances, there was no credible evidence of fraud produced by the Trump campaign or his supporters. That was the top GOP election attorney. Ben Ginsburg, speaking to the bipartisan U.S. House Select Committee on Monday, testifying there was, quote, no credible evidence of fraud produced by the Trump campaign or his supporters. Trump was told by his top people at his own campaign, at his own Justice Department, at his own White House, by members of his own family, that there just was no evidence that he won the election. But he kept raising money. $250 million, all the while, kept claiming that the election was stolen from him. And then when he couldn't steal the election in any other way, he incited a deadly riot and a deadly attack on our U.S. Capitol to try and prevent the peaceful transfer of power for the first time in our nation's history. I want to open up phone lines momentarily at 818-985-5735, 818-985-KPFK to get your thoughts on the hearing so far. I'm interested if it has changed your opinions on any or all of this one way or another, particularly those who had long believed that fraud was the reason Donald Trump lost when it wasn't. 818-985-5735. But first, uh, during these hearings, we will be checking in with Heather Digby-Parton, the award-winning opinion and analysis journalist from Salon and Digby's Hullabaloo, along with other analysts and experts as the hearings proceed this week and next. So I want to quickly uh, get some thoughts from our friend Heather Digby-Parton. Oh, Heather, welcome back to the broadcast. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Thank you for being had as ever. Uh, Heather, what was your uh, what was your takeaway from Monday's proceedings? Did the panel move the ball forward in any way? And and who or what jumped out at you as uh, something that is likely to have legs beyond today's hearing? Well, there were a couple of things. I think what's um, important and I was really glad to see that they decided to take one of these hearings and really attack the big lie itself, because I don't think you can really prove the case about Trump's um, coup plot mm -hmm. without attacking that as well. And they went mm. from the very beginning from Trump. Trump was undermining the election, you know, 18 months before the election took place. So this was this was important, and I think they did that well. 
Um, I also think that one of the things that they that they're sort of setting up here, which is which was new to me, and I'm not a lawyer, so I don't have any real expertise in this area. But this idea of Trump and and willful blindness, which is sort of a a, a legal concept, apparently, at least mm-hmm. that's what some of the TV lawyers are saying, in which it, it you know he is shown to have been told by everyone that the election was not stolen and that and and this is that we're talking about his own campaign team people in his family you know the department of justice mm. various officials around the country um they all said the same thing and in fact Ginsburg you know pointed out as as you just said that he, the courts also said the same thing, and he refused to see it and, in fact, continued, got more and more angry, apparently, and just continually uh, ignored what they said and, and, and went toward the people who were telling him what he wanted to hear. That's actually a legal concept where someone does have an obligation to mm-hmm. at least, you know, have some response. They have a responsibility to at least have some uh, recognition of the facts of a case, and mm-hmm. you're not allowed to just go into a court and say, "Hey, you know, I just didn't know." At when when pe- when you've had dozens of people telling you something, so that sort of leads, I think, maybe to a potential criminal referral. And then it was that final thing that really shocked me was that they went to the fundraising off of this big lie, which I think, I mean, we all sort of knew this, but it hadn't really been a focus up until now. Mm -hmm. I think it's super important because according to some of the lawyers who looked at that, they're saying, you know, this could go toward a real fraud investigation, Mm -hmm. real fraud case of wire fraud, where they were, they defrauded, you know, dozens, millions of, of devoted followers with a big lie. And in fact, a lot of the people who were involved in doing that fundraising, they also knew it was a big lie because they just testified to it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they you were. Know, so this is kind of a big deal. And they were claiming that there was this official election defense fund that people were being barraged with emails uh, to contribute to, uh, you know, these small dollar donations that do add up here. Uh, but there was no. Official election defense fund. By the way, we will have an, an attorney from uh, a couple of them in the next few days, along with you, Heather, from the uh, Department of Justice. We can ask about some of these legal points. But, you know, it seemed to me that raising that point, you know, it was one thing that they were making the case Donald Trump does not have an excuse to say, oh, he he actually believes that it was stolen because everyone told him it was not. Begging the question, you know, at what point? Uh, you know, does someone like the president of the United States, um, you know, need to know the facts that he has to know, uh, you know, what he's talking about before he says that raises one point. And then the other thing is with this two hundred and fifty million dollars. Well, that's a motive to continue lying, isn't it? Of course. Well, yes, and they also put up in their, you know, in their, uh, you know, visual aid there at the at the hearing where all where this money was going now most of it is unaccounted for as far as i could tell mm-hmm. but they were sending millions to favored uh you know trump affiliates you know um charities and you know and packs they sent a bunch to his hotels i mean there this is a i think this is a big story here this is a big part of this thing and you know i don't i would never ever in a million years think that trump was not he may you know act like a clown and act you know silly and stupid but uh, I think he knew where the money was, and I think he understood very clearly. And in fact, even today, mm-hmm. you know, we see stories every single day about how Trump is holding off. He wants to announce that he's running, but he's holding off because he won't be able to collect as much money right. 
for this for these particular kinds of you know packs that he has once he declares then he's an official candidate mm-hmm. so you know his eyes been on the money from the very beginning and of course you know the old adage the old watergate adage yet another one you know follow the money yep and uh, yeah because i think he gets to do anything he wants with the money that's coming in now once he declares he's president or running for president, he's got to actually account for that uh, money and uh, can't just pocket it or give it to his hotels or whatever. Uh, Heather Digby-Parton, I think that Fox News actually carried today's hearings, unlike Thursday. I flipped over to them at the end, and they were just coming uh, out of the hearings, and uh, they actually spoke about them for a few minutes, with the uh, general consensus being that the committee was trying to paint Trump as a terrible guy. That's what they were actually trying to do, according to Fox. Uh, But because there was nobody there to cross-examine these witnesses today, none of this should be taken seriously. And then Fox moved as quickly as they could to, you know, cover something else entirely. The far-left protesters outside the Supreme Court. Uh, Anyway, does the lack of hostile Republicans on the panel have any effect on this? Or is that only an excuse for Fox to downplay the damning details that are being brought out here. Of course, it, it's, it's an excuse that they're using. These were Republicans that were, that were every single one of them was Republican that were that were testifying. So what they're basically saying is we needed some Republicans to really stick it to these other Republicans, many of whom were working for Trump in the White House, including people like Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, these, they, they, you don't need, you know, a hostile uh, prosecutor on the Republican side when everybody who's testifying is, you know, was on the Trump team. And many of them were, were actually speaking there under subpoena. Um, that's ridiculous. Of course they're saying that. And, you know, I guess I can't blame them. That's what else are they going to do? I mean, they're, they're kind of stuck here. I watched. Well, they could, they could, I thought they were, they they could just, you know, we report, you decide. Remember when they used to say that at Fox news? Anyway, I cut you off. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, fair and balanced was their, was their motto too, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, they just, they, they, um, just don't really have anywhere to go with this because, first of all, as we know and we've talked about before, you know, Fox News is implicated in all this. Yep. They're at, they were actually part of the of the coup, yep. and their people were, you know, in corresponding back and forth with the White House before and after the election, during the post-election period, and right up until January 6th. So, you know, they they're, they have no choice but to try and, and you know, soft-pedal all this for their people. And, you know, I, I guess I'm not surprised. I mean, I got the same thing. They seemed a little bit off balance to me when I when I was watching them. They're mm-hmm. kind of, yes, you can't, it isn't a crime to be a bad guy or something they're saying. And I'm going, you know, if you didn't know Trump was a bad guy already, <laughs> yeah. I don't think this committee was going to no. make that case. <laughs> this is not about Trump being a bad guy. But it did feel a whole lot like, you know, if you watch Russia state television or listen to Russia state radio yeah. these days, you're not allowed to say certain things. You can't say that. That Russia has invaded Ukraine and is w- waging a war and war crimes against them. And I felt like they were t- trying to tiptoe around those uh, similar truths when it comes to Trump over on his uh, favorite wingnut network. 
Heather, uh, we will be able to talk at more length on uh, Wednesday and Thursday this week with you, uh, I believe, along with some others. I want to try to get to some calls while we have the opportunity today. Uh, you can find Heather Digby Parton's work on this. She's been writing about it like crazy over at Salon.com and Digby'sBlog.net. And, of course, you can and should and must follow her on the Twitters at Digby56. Thank you, Digby. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You bet. We'll talk soon. All right. While we have a chance today, like I said, I'd love to hear from you all out there, your thoughts on the hearings to date, whatever they may be, particularly if you're a Trump supporter. You know, I always love to hear from you guys. Uh, what are you learning from these hearings? What has changed, if anything? Has, has any of it changed your mind one way or another? Do you think it will change the minds of other Americans? And what questions do you still have about all of this? 818-985-5735. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. Your calls are next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Our nightmare election may be over, but new ones are on the way. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. The numbers tell you the winner and the loser. For the most part, the numbers don't lie. He didn't have the numbers. He went to court. He still didn't have the numbers. He lost. But he betrayed the trust of the American people. He ignored the will of the voters. He lied to his supporters and the country. And he tried to remain in office after the people had voted him out. And the courts upheld the will of the people. No, they don't. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. No, the numbers don't lie. You know, I've covered uh, claims of election fraud via uh, voter fraud, uh, computer uh, software fraud for about 20 years, akin to the ones that Trump and uh, the MAGA mob have been making since November 2020. And I have looked at those uh, claims very closely, virtually every claim made by these folks, and I have seen zero evidence of anything different than the type of penny any fraud we see in any other election. 818-985-KPFK is our phone number. 818-985-5735. Love to hear from you about the uh, hearings to date. What do you think of them? Uh, what do you make of them? Have they changed your thoughts on any of this? Have they underscored any of your thoughts or concerns? Uh, and by the way, uh, who are these hearings focused on? Who are they meant for? Are they making the case to the American people for history 
as uh, Digby said a couple of days ago when we talked, or is it meant to focus on Merrick Garland and the DOJ so they will bring charges? Any lawyers out there with opinions on this? Have they presented enough evidence to date yet to bring charges as you see it? And uh, what, if any, questions do any of you still have about all of this? 818-985-5735. Let's go to Matt in Santa Maria. Hey, Matt, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Well, thank you very much. Uh, first question is, as far as I know, they haven't, and why haven't they um, called Trump or Pence to trial? And the number two is just a quick comment. Mm-hmm. That it's, it's a particularly difficult situation because we have Trump's almost become a religion. So, of course, the Trumpanzees reflect this, but you know, especially some of the representatives who, and I do appreciate um, the comment by um, Liz Cheney. I'm surprised I'd ever give kudos to Cheney. But um, that she says, you know, one day Trump will be gone, you know, but the legacy of what you have done will remain. Yeah, your dishonor will never go away. Yeah. Yes. She was right on the money. Well, uh, to answer uh, one of your... Oh, did we lose them? All right. Uh, To answer one of those questions, Matt, uh, as far as why they haven't called Trump or Pence, uh, you said to trial. Of course, this is not a trial, and that's an important point. This uh, The House committee has no legal ability to bring charges. The best they can do is make their case and then Uh, officially ask, make a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. Um, But so this is not a trial. Uh, But calling Trump, calling Pence in any case like that, they would be, of course, the last people you call after you have uh, spoken with everyone else. We don't know if the committee has actually talked to Mike Pence or not. They might have. They have certainly talked with a whole bunch of Pence's people. And several of them, as I understand it, is it uh, Thursday, Des, when the the uh, Mike Pence day uh, uh, for the hearings yes, this week? Yes, Thursday is going to be the day that they have the what they call the corrupt pressure on Pence. Because remember, this entire thing is focused on seven different plot points for the coup to mm-hmm. try to steal the election. And so he today was focusing on Trump's spreading of the big lie. That was the first major component. Mm-hmm. The second one is, of course, the corrupt pressure on the Department of Justice. Uh, that's another one that will be on Wednesday, I believe. So, yes. So uh, fr- Thursday is going to be the focus on the corrupt pressure on Pence as the vice president to not fulfill his duties under the Constitution. Uh, yeah, and I think they're going to have uh, several of his uh, his folks there. Mark Short may be testifying. I think that's Mike Pence's uh, uh, chief of staff. staff yes. Yeah. So uh, Mike Pence's people are there, whether the vice president himself will be invited or will testify or has already testified on videotape. If he has... There's nothing to stop the committee from uh, from showing that videotape. 818-985-KPFK, 818-985-5735. Yeah, and I have a quick question. I mean, Trump could, of course, volunteer to testify. Could sure. he not? Sure, And Pence could also volunteer. I doubt that the January 6th committee would turn them down. Yeah, that's right. 
uh, if, if Trump wants to come in, I'm sure they would be delighted to have him. Whether they would put him live uh, in the hearings is another matter versus on videotape. But as we know, Donald Trump does not want to talk, does not want to answer questions under oath. Look at the uh, the lengths that he went to try to avoid giving uh, under oath deposition in New York State on his bank tax and insurance fraud schemes. By the way, he'll be testifying, I think, in the next uh, next few weeks on that case in New York. 818-985-KPFK. Let's go to our old friend Mo O'Morris in Long Beach. How are you, brother? Yeah, I'm doing real good, my brother. Look here, when the, when the January 6th committee gets finished with their, their thing, according to what Liz Cheney wants to do, uh, Donald Trump might not be the only brother they can't work uh, run for public office. Might be a whole lot of them who might not be able to run for office. So keep that in mind, uh, too. Okay. Uh, the, the people who... You're talking about the the 14th Amendment, uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which says if you have taken the oath of office. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Your Mo Brooks, your Ted Cruz, your Josh House. I don't think Donald Trump is the only one going down that can't run for public office. And I think the American people, even the Republicans, Brad, they're turning around. Because now Fox is starting to show those hearings, right? And those hearings are very, very convincing. I was so proud of America this morning. I was singing, God bless I really was, man. Because I'm seeing a return to the rule of law, which is what we're all about. You got your boy Thompson, Benny and Jess Thompson, sitting next to Lynn Cheney, Liz Cheney. They've got different ideas about politics. Right, but what brought them together? Principles, man. Principles brought them together. So I think we got a shot in this country. Thank- okay, man. Let me go. Let me get another call. Thanks, Mo. I appreciate it. Eight one eight nine eight five KPFK. Yeah, he was talking about the Section Three of the Fourteenth Amendment, which says that if you have taken the oath of office, you cannot that you you will you are not allowed to be in office if you then go and uh, uh, participate, engage in an insurrection or rebellion. And we were talking last week. I think it was with John Nichols of the Nation uh, about. The, what the recommendations will be at the end of this process from the committee. Yes, those criminal referrals, but also, you know, a, a vote, a sense of the House uh, that uh, what happened here was, in fact, an insurrection and that Donald Trump, having engaged in insurrection or rebellion, is now disqualified to run for office, for federal office in the future. And we could see a number of states who just say, nope, Donald Trump is not going to be on the ballot this year because he doesn't qualify. But, you know, of course, this is only for those of you who believe in the Constitution. A lot of the Trump supporters out there apparently do not. Would you like to call me and uh, challenge me on that, Trump supporters? 818-985-5735. Let me do this. Uh, Mike from Santa Barbara, hang on the line. We'll get to you in a moment. I want to take a quick break here. We will come back uh, with Mike and whoever else wants to get in. 818-985-5735. Your thoughts on these hearings. Your, uh, fe- I've talked to a lot of people who've said they were very, got a, particularly emotional uh, during the hearings, uh, particularly on last Thursday in prime time, I was one of them, and it sort of caught me off guard, and I'm not entirely sure why. But it is nice to see the government sort of working sort of the way it was sort of intended. You know, a committee hearing where everybody involved on both sides of the aisle are actually trying to get to the truth. When was the last time you saw that? 818-985-KPFK. We'll take a quick break. Come back with your calls. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to The Bradcast. 
What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Lies. Trump campaign used these false claims of election fraud to raise hundreds of millions of dollars from supporters who were told their donations were for the legal fight in the courts. But the Trump campaign didn't use the money for that. The big lie was also a big ripoff. Yep, it was a big ripoff. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Trump's word. I'm trying to get him to call in because I'm really trying to understand. I continue to want to understand why Trump supporters seem to not only support him, but seem to want to be ripped off themselves, seem to want to give their hard-earned money to this guy who is clearly lying to them about the election itself and stealing their money. Do you realize Donald Trump uh, pardoned uh, Steve Bannon, who had set up a phony charity to create a phony wall on the southern border, promised that none of that money would go to anything other than building the wall, and then he pocketed all of this money? Why do you guys like to be ripped off? I don't get it. 818-985-KPFK. And then, of course, uh, you know, the idea that uh, he was doing exactly that by raising some $250 million on these lies. So he had the means. He had the motive. He had the opportunity. Time for the DOJ to bring charges, I think. Let me go to Donna in Santa Monica. Hey, Donna, welcome to the broadcast. Hi, Brad. It's Donna, depressed. Donna, I find this just, well, the people that I know, Uh a few of my friends, well, this person was running for president. No one said, oh, he's going to win. We couldn't believe. And then four years go by of hell, and now we're talking about this. So I find it actually Brad... Son, Honorable Brad and Debbie, <laughs> I find it heartbreaking. Well, there's hunger, there's trouble, there's yep. this and that and that, and we are talking about buffoons like Giuliani. Yep. So, yeah, love to you all, and it's heartbreaking. I want it to be over, and I'm not that wild about Biden, but at least he isn't this insane yeah well let me let me let me just say this donna uh actually just to uh correct two of your points one uh desi's name is desi not debbie number two i know she doesn't care everybody calls her debbie but i'm sorry no no, that's okay uh, don't worry about that uh the the other uh, point i want to correct you on is that you said nobody uh, said he would he would win well if you rewind the broadcast you can download them all of them for free at bradblog.com we were warning and warning and warning about uh, the fact that Donald Trump absolutely could win back when everyone was saying, oh, he will never win. So, Well, you're a, you're a damn genius. Well, and <laughs> God loves KPFK for having you on. Thank you. It's you're, 
been kind of a nightmare. I hear you. And we are right in the middle of that nightmare. All I wanted to say was don't be depressed. Just stay active. Stay busy. Keep talking. Keep sharing this information with your friends. Of course, keep supporting KPFK. I, but I did. Yeah. I'm going to do $11 per month for there the next go. year. All right. Thank you for that, Donna. But most importantly, don't get depressed. Stay busy. I keep up the good fight. I know it is, it, but you got to okay. get over it. We got to keep fighting. We have yeah, to no, get out of this right. mess. I mean, uh, I have my family and my kitty cats and my home, and I'm going to take a walk. And I thank you for um, <laughs> what you do. And thanks, Donna. Yay, KPFK. Thanks, Brad. Th- thanks, Donna. Hang in there. Eight one eight nine eight five KPFK. Let me go to Mike in Santa Barbara. Hey, Mike. Uh, hopefully, you're not uh, as depressed as Donna. Oh, my. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. My fault. There we go. Hey, Mike. Now, do we have Mike in Santa Barbara? We do not have Mike in Santa Barbara. That is probably my fault as well. Uh, Let me go to uh, Nick in Hemet. Let's see if we got Nick. Hey, Nick. Do we got you? Hey, bud. There you are. My my, uh, interest with peace when I I hear on these shows, you know, I listen to a lot of them, about People think the politicians are going to sort things out. It ain't, man. The, the huge problems of the day, like climate change, pollution, uh, people, you know, overpopulation, mm-hmm. all those things, man, have to, you know, looked at and sorted out. Yep. You know, as a Christian brotherhood, we don't eat the animals. You know, we're tired of fences and slaughterhouses and all the Amazon rainforest getting chopped down to make animal fodder. Mm-hmm. You know, we're... We believe that the Almighty wants a beautiful garden for us all to share as brothers and sisters and get ready for the resurrection of man and peace on earth. So all this stuff about, you know, political people going to save our butts, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. The first thing for everybody is move away from all violence, all killing, all hurt, all harm to life. Let, and then we'd be moving right along. It's the way of Christ. Okay, That's Nick, let me let me just, Nick, let me respond, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, a couple of points there. You mentioned a whole bunch of things that are really important, things like climate change. Here's the deal. You and I, while there are certain things that you and I can do to kind of help, you know, a grain of sand, a drop of water in the ocean to try to help, the problem is solving those issues requires a cooperation from nation states. And right now it does very much matter who is in charge if you are concerned about the things that you just rattled off. Yes, politics matters. It's annoying. It can be depressing. But yes, it matters. Voting matters. Participating in elections matter. If you're concerned about the things you're talking about, those do not fix themselves. If you're concerned about our political system, the political system does not fix itself. We fix it. We correct it. We do so by participating in that system, by informing the public so they can make an informed vote and throwing up your hands and saying, oh, it doesn't matter. That's not an option, Nick. Well, I wasn't throwing up my arms, man. I was just saying that every individual, it's almost like what you were saying. You know, first thing for every individual to do is stop eating animal products. That'll be a huge help. Well, that's fine. Sure, you can do that. 
but we have to make sure we have an informed electorate who shows up to vote and doesn't allow this horrific mistake like Donald Trump was that will affect us for years and years and generations because of how they were allowed to steal the uh, Supreme Court. Well, check out uh, all the rest of the, the saviors, right? Obama, he was going to save the world. You know, I was in... No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't, Nick. Come on. Be fair about this. If some people thought he was going to save the world, I certainly didn't. But I do know that voting for people who give a damn about these things, that give a damn about the climate, that give a damn about Uh freedoms and rights and won't be taking them away by rolling over, uh, turning over uh, Roe v. Wade. All of this stuff makes a very real difference to people's lives. Ask the several hundred thousand who died uh, from COVID during uh, Trump's term because he didn't give a damn because all he cared about was getting elected. Those things matter to those people, Nick. Yeah, I understand, Brad. I, all, right. I, all those things that, you know, they have, they have you know, the people who died during uh, the COVID thing, you know, there's other thoughts and, and, and schools of thought on that, on that subject entirely. Yeah, there are, and we can talk about them at another time. I'm sorry, I'm up against the wall, Nick. i got to get out. Uh, you can also, by the way, ask all the families of victims of gun violence if it matters who is in office. It very much does. All right, we have got to get out. My thanks to our guest, Salon's Heather Digby-Parton, to my producer, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Gary Baca, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always an honor. It is always appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Bradblog. We will see you there. Until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. world.